This is the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast, session number 82, Stage Hypnosis Markets You Didn't Know Existed. Welcome to the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast with Jason Lynette, your professional resource for hypnosis training and outstanding business success. Here's your host, Jason Lynette. Hey there, welcome back. It's Jason Lynette here with an outstanding podcast session, which at one point was a webinar presentation. So some of you might have actually heard this, though I would just openly tell you the feedback has been so phenomenal, I wanted to make sure that more of you heard this. It was about a week ago or so at the time of this recording. This was recorded on Wednesday, October 12th. And what you're about to listen to is a webinar presentation between myself as well as Tommy V and Michael DeShallot. And it was all about presenting a program titled Stage Hypnosis Markets You Didn't Know Existed, which granted some of them are going to be ones that you maybe do know exist. Of course, you're going to hear some twists and turns, some spins on some classic favorites in terms of how to make them more profitable, how to make them more successful, and just really how to work them and really build that sustainable business. I'd mention really briefly here, as a business strategy, there's a concept that I've come to know and love as the dog whistle strategy, which here's the metaphor of this. You would be at a dog park, you'd blow that dog whistle, and not every dog is going to come running. So as a producer of my Work Smart Hypnosis podcast, I know that many of you listening to this are not stage hypnotists. However, you are the ones who should listen to this faster than anyone else, because it's as we look at the shape of a business, everything is modular, everything is contextual. So to look at this information you're about to interact with on stage hypnosis markets you didn't know existed, every bit of this applies over to hypnotherapy, to doing wellness seminars, to doing speaking engagements. So listen to this because you're going to have three workers roundtabling this market, this idea of expanding our business into new frontiers, and really just simply put better serving our clients. Now, this webinar presentation was done as a promotional event for the upcoming Ultimate Stage Hypnosis Conference. That's an event that's going to be happening in March 2017 out in Las Vegas, and I will simplify things for you because uh, I just went over to GoDaddy and gave me bucks if you just simply go to stageconference.com. So the word stage as in stage hypnosis and conference as in these wonderful events that all of us love attending, go to stageconference.com. That'll redirect over to actually a page that I built that'll give you the details for this upcoming ultimate stage hypnosis conference. Also, it'll give you access to the video replay of this content you're about to listen to as well. So if you're more of an audio learner, keep listening. If you're more of a visual learner, respectfully, turn this thing off and go over to stageconference.com and listen and actually, no, don't listen, watch the content over there. So here we go, jumping into this audio replay of the webinar presentation featuring myself, Jason Lynette, Tommy V, Michael DeShallot, here we go. This is session number 82, Stage Hypnosis Markets You Didn't Know Existed. Stageconference.com. 
All right. Hello, everybody. It's Jason Lynette here. It is Wednesday, October 12th at 12 noon Eastern Standard Time. We are live, mostly live. The wonders of technology. I'm here in Alexandria, Virginia at my Virginia hypnosis office. Right now, I'm going to bounce it over to say hello with Michael. Michael, you there? Hey, I am here from Tucson, Arizona. The format of the presentation today is titled Stage Hypnosis Markets You Didn't Know Existed. And to give you a little bit of an expectation for that, some of it may be markets you might not have even considered, thus the title, yet at the same time, there's going to be some twists and turns over familiar markets and in many ways taking these markets to brand new territories as well. So the mechanisms of growing our business. You know, many of you may be aware of me by way of the Work Smart Hypnosis podcast, some of the business training that I do for hypnotists as well. And I'd very comfortably share that I sent out some emails leading up towards this event, asking for your questions ahead of time. And what was kind of surprising is that the majority of the questions that were coming in were kind of in this category of, quote, how do you deal with the bottom feeders? How do you deal with people who are undercutting prices, undercutting the value in your local area. And I very much share that your best competition is yourself in terms of what you bring to the table, what type of program you present, what kind of benefits you're able to share with that audience. And this is true whether you are a stage hypnotist, whether you're a hypnotherapist, the same markets exist. So it's that phrase that chances are many of you responded to, would you rather be that small fish in the big pond or the big fish in the small pond? Because similar to the markets of dealing with everything hypnosis and hypnotherapy, there are more people out there who can benefit from our services than there are hypnotists worldwide who can help them. Likewise as well, there are not enough performers out there to truly benefit the process of how we're able to work with ourselves, work with our clients, and get even greater results. Tommy, looks like you got into us. Maybe? I'm here. There we go. Awesome. And we are live. Fantastic. Sure. Michael DeShallot. I'm from Tucson, Arizona. I've been doing stage hypnosis for about 16 years now. I um, started off as a professional magician had a touring illusion show as well as did, you know, comedy magic shows and stand-up shows and close-up magic. Drifted into the world of stage hypnosis 16 years ago. I actually took the seminar now that I'm on staff with, the Ultimate Stage Hypnosis Seminar with Jerry Valley, Tommy V. We had a host of other instructors at the time, and, and uh, Orman McGill was uh, also on staff as well. So I had the pleasure of spending the last two years of Orman's life watching him and learning from him. And the rest is history. I'm also a clinical hypnotherapist as well, but spend most of my focus on the stage stuff. Excellent. Excellent. Good to have you here, Michael. And it's much earlier there thanks. than it is here. So thanks for waking Thank up you. at the bright early time of 9 a.m. Well, you know, it's early. <laughs> awesome. And Tommy, let's bounce over to you. Okay. You can hear me okay, Jay? I can hear you fine. Okay. Thank you for having me. I am a clinical hypnotist and a stage hypnotist. I actually started in the clinical field because I was too nervous to go on stage. So I practiced clinically for a few years. And then my father is Jerry Valley. He had a show locally, invited me down as his guest. So I came out once the show was live. I hypnotized a few people, got my feet wet, and that was 24 years ago. So now I do both. I, I love being on stage. I'm a comedy stage hypnotist. 
and I do clinical hypnosis as well as teaching with Michael, and uh, that's where I'm at. Fantastic. And to briefly introduce myself, I'm Jason Lynette, and I'm here at my Virginia Hypnosis office. And like many of us, we didn't necessarily start with the goal of I want to be the hypnotist when I grow up. It was getting bit by the bug in my freshman year of college where a stage hypnotist came to my school, did a program, and I just went, oh, that's cool, and deciding to become ravenous for the information ever since. So I started full-time as a stage hypnotist, working primarily with high schools and corporate and some of the markets we're going to be talking about here today. And then from there, getting bit by the bug of all things hypnotherapy and hypnosis training as well. Chances are you've listened to the Work Smart Hypnosis podcast featuring outstanding guests like Tommy V. And hey, Michael, we need to schedule you to get you on there too. Hey, sure. Why not? Yeah, sure. <laughs> and uh, over the years, becoming, quote, known as the guy who makes other hypnotists more successful, which when the opportunity popped up to do this project here together with Tommy and Michael, wanted to make sure that we were providing some content that you're able to take action on as well. That the information in terms of how to do a stage hypnosis show, similar to how do you hypnotize a client, how do you produce change, these things really don't have any value unless you've got the audience there in front of you. You've got the body and the chair to actually do the work. So in this presentation here today, we've got three specific points of content to share to motivate some action in terms of booking programs in markets that you may not yet be considering. So as you've got questions, once again, as the room is now filling up, enter your questions into the chat room there in the box. Again, a little small admin favor, just because I'm playing ringmaster for everybody. Just enter your question once. I'll be scrolling through those and keeping track of those as well. So the first category of markets is one that chances are you might have some familiarity with easy for me to say, yet I'm going to share some thoughts on it in terms of how to expand it out even further, or even better, how to actually take some markets you might be using inside of this specific niche category and make it work even better. So the first category is one that you might be expecting in some sense, fundraisers. Fundraisers are an outstanding market. Now, let me draw a little bit of a line here. And it may be sorting through some current baggage given a series of phone calls I've been dealing with this week. I'm not referring to that moment where you suddenly get a phone call and someone's saying, we're doing this event, it's going to be a fundraiser, so we clearly don't have any money, and we'd like you for you to donate your show. This is where it's up to your personal discretion whether you do that or not. I'd comfortably share that this is a horrible statement, but anytime someone's offering all sorts of free exposure, you might get better exposure by dropping your pants in public. Not that we endorse that. At least Tommy and I don't. So <laughs> as we're looking at the option of a fundraiser, the truth is in terms of nonprofits, in terms of doing great things in our local community, there are options far beyond the uh, work for free, will hypnotize for food model that very often some of the biggest paying events I have ever been a part of have been fundraisers. Fundraisers from categories you might be expecting like high schools as well as colleges, but even going specifically into some of the tightest of niche markets that the benefit becomes, I, I tell you a quick story. It's a few years ago and I get a phone call 
and it's the editor of a security and defense magazine. And I don't know how they found me, yet he clearly was doing a bit of a Google search. He liked the videos that he saw of the stage program that I offer, gave me a call, booked the program, and the program was a couple of months out from there. The benefit of this event was that later on, he sent me this glowing testimonial on the letterhead of the magazine in the security and defense industry that this man was the editor of. Let's talk about leveraging success because the benefit now became I had this asset. I had this thing that I could share with all the people in business that first of all would either know who this man was or perhaps would care that I had done a good job for him. So taking that article, taking that letter, making a whole bunch of making a whole bunch of copies and then sending that out to everybody I possibly could to which I very comfortably share I do not directly have expertise in security and defense industries yet because I had this letter saying such a good job that I did for this program that was the enough evidence that I needed to position myself as the expert in that industry that's a market of corporate that's a market you probably know exists I tell you that brief story because here's a moment where the phone rings and it's a singles organization connected with a local synagogue, a local Jewish temple. And it's the singles organization inside of that. And the phone call began the same way as it did the story that I started off with. Hey, I've got someone, I've got this fundraiser coming up and clearly we don't have any money. When the truth is there is money to be gained on both sides of the equation. So here's how I've typically worked these events. The first would be that either option number one, and this is one that depending on your demand as a stage hypnotist, you might want to vary up a little bit. As I was brand new in all of this, I was offering the no risk fundraiser, which would be the premise of I'm going to give you the promotional materials. I'm going to give you the posters, the tickets. I'm going to help you promote this event in the local community. And then as a result of that, based on the number of tickets that are sold, we're going to split the profits. Option number two was buy the program. And let's just use a round number here to make the conversation a little bit more direct. Let's assume to buy the program was $1,000 and they were selling $10 tickets. Well, anything you sell after 100 tickets, that's your profit which classically I'd share something with you on this of these two groups there was the ticket split option and then there was the full buyout option one of these groups would consistently outsell the audience one of these groups would consistently sell out their tickets and the surprising thing it was this group that actually would just buy the program Think about that logically for a moment. This group over here, we're going to split the tickets based on how many people show up. They're kind of playing that mental game of, quote, it would be nice if we earn some money on this. You know, at best, we're getting a free program. But this other group was working from a different mentality, which would be the mindset that we have to sell 100 tickets. And by doing that, that's going to cover our finances. And after that, that's when we're going to be profitable. So over the years, working this fundraiser strategy with all types of organizations, everything from high schools, which let me tell you right now what my biggest money makers were in the high school markets for fundraisers. First of all, it was junior class. 
Now, there's going to be some geographic considerations inside of this. Yet for me, I was finding in my Virginia, Maryland, D.C., Pennsylvania, New Jersey, North Carolina markets, I was finding that those were the students who were often raising money for prob. And they were highly motivated. My next group after that was like senior council, student council, uh, student government type organizations. There's a horrible story to share here, which is that I started off originally in my career as a stage manager in professional theater. So because of that theatrical background, I was going after the, uh, the, the theater students, which was wonderfully noble. But I can make this next statement as I used to be one of them. Those are not the popular kids. They were not selling the tickets. So they weren't raising money and neither was I. So yes, there's going to be some considerations inside of this from one group to another. But the benefit became was that I had this product, which was this fundraising program that anytime a group would ever reach out to me for money, even by way of telemarketing sometimes, I would present this. So over the years, doing similar arranged programs for Toys for Tots, similar programs for here's a corporate group that's raising money for a charitable trust, raising funds for a professional theater who is looking to gain money back to finance some upcoming projects. Anywhere there are people that are gathering, there are people who are looking for methods to raise funds to increase their surplus, to increase what they can do. So really, your market for fundraisers is not just the schools, is not just necessarily these nonprofit organizations, which, by the way, just as a little side note, the strategy of working with the fundraisers is in many ways the same way you can work with any group that claims they really can't afford your program. To begin to go in as a bit of a co-production. Now, I'll tell you a quick lesson that I learned the hard way which would be that very often you would hear people say that, oh, we've got this big mailing list. Oh, we can put up posters. Oh, we have this connection with the radio station. If your income is dependent on the results of their fundraiser, it's in your best interest to do as much promotional legwork as you can do as well. So if that means, and Michael's nodding on that one, we'll open up for some discussion on this one in a moment. So it's where it, takes no effort for me to send out the press release to the local community, which the side note is I have been published in well over 80 or 90 newspapers with my stage hypnosis program. Every single time it's been in correlation with a fundraiser, which that then goes into my promotional materials, which bumps up the quality of everything that I do, whether it's seeing clients, teaching classes, booking more programs. So it becomes this leveraging of success model the whole way through. So again, everything from students raising money for prom to a Jewish singles organization raising money for this group to head off to Israel. There are so many markets out there which are looking for options. And your easiest way to find these groups is a little bit of guerrilla marketing to just be on the lookout for groups that are asking for money. At one point, I need to do this again. It worked really well. I created a postcard handout about my fundraising program. And I'm driving down the road, and here are the firefighters with the boots collecting money. I put in a $5 bill. I drop one of my cards. Here are the band students who would knock on the door of my home. And I'd fill out the form, and I'd give them one of those cards. I'd give them some material to make use of. Here's the client here in my office 
who suddenly sends me the email because they're just sending the email to everybody they know. Hey, my son is doing a fundraiser for the track team. And I'd respond, well, I'd love to give you money. However, here's a bet. If you go back to the podcast session that I did with, with Anthony Gailey, we talked about that in hypnosis, you were always working to solve a solution. So really think of it instead of selling a hypnosis program, instead you're selling a fundraising solution and there are so many markets out there to tap into. Michael, any, as you're now drinking coffee, let me now ask you to speak. <laughs> yeah, any thoughts on, on that specific market? You know, it's, it's a great market and I've made my living in that market for so many years, predominantly connected with the high schools and the different organizations that are at those high schools. So there are probably at any given time, in any given high school, in any given territory, there's 70 fundraisers that happen on a high school campus every single year. 70. And most of them are the traditional things like the cookie dough, the gift wrap, the catalog sales, the magazine sales. I know this from experience because that's how I got started in working in schools is before I was a professional magician, I was a fundraising consultant for a major fundraising company. And so I know what's out there in the schools. So it is a great market, but not just for the schools too, though, for all the other organizations, the nonprofits, the, as you mentioned, even the firefighters as they're coming by with their, with their boots, with their fill the boot campaign. Corporations are even doing them now for philanthropic needs or philanthropic endeavors, sororities, fraternities are doing fundraisers to raise money for, you know, St. Jude's Children's Hospital. So it's a huge market, something that, you know, there is, trust me, more than enough business to go around. And I'd share a really great tip on that is my number one strategy whenever I was booking programs was that I wasn't selling a show. I wasn't selling a fundraiser. I was selling a tradition. And the expectation that as we do this over and over and over, the thing just snowballs and gets bigger and bigger. And it's an honest moment where it's a high school in Maryland that I work at where they go, um, hey, this was fun. I think we're going to do a different fundraiser though next year to change it up. And I honestly stood there and looked at this teacher and go, you have $3,800 cash in that cash box now as a result of tonight. Are you serious? And I pull out my phone and go, okay, so I'm looking uh, March 18th. How's that date for you? And we booked a program right there. So again, don't sell the program. In my experience, sell the tradition. And by doing that, I am not actively marketing fundraisers these days, but I still do a couple of them every single month. And they're groups that I go back to on a year to year basis. Tommy, any thoughts on fundraising from your experience? Yeah, I have a lot of, a lot of thoughts. Repeat business is awesome too. You're right. A lot of our business comes from repeat. But for fundraisers, another venue that I've found, the nonprofits like the Lions Clubs, the Rotary Clubs, they're always looking for money. Here's what a local soccer, a girls' soccer group did. They had about 150 people. They got pizza donated. They had salad. It was a very simple meal. They had a comedian and they had an auction with a professional athlete memorabilia. Nice stuff. And they auctioned that off. Then they had a little comedian, a short comedian, and not short like height-wise, but <laughs> his time was short. Then the hypnosis show, they they took in oh, close to $7,000 in one night. Very nice. Uh, and, and, you know, if you hustle, you can do a good job. And these groups are always looking for money. And you're right. And when they're part of 
the profit, they work for you. They work harder. You know, splitting the ticket, things like that. And there's all sorts of combinations you can do. You can ask for a minimum amount, then a dollar per person. Anything's the limit. So there are a lot of venues, as Michael and Jason have said, that are looking to raise money. And we have something unique to offer a hypnosis show. There's an interesting point on that, too, to highlight, which is that Tommy mentioned there's different ways of doing it. As I as I do consulting with hypnotists around the world in terms of like their business, in terms of their strategies, I, I catch so many people that are in that analysis paralysis game of will it work this way? Will it work that way? And the answer to all of this is just simply test it out. Try it out. See what happens. Do the program this way. Does that work better? Do the program that way. Does that work better? The same as you would test out various materials, various routines in your show, different methods of hypnotic induction, different deepeners as well. So it's where the method that you do it the first time does not have to be the method you do it the rest of your life. So you may have occasionally, I, I referred to it as dollar cost averaging when I first got started, because sometimes there'd be the program where I'd be leaving and granted 250 bucks for an hour's work ain't bad, but I'd rather have 2,500 for that hour's work. And I may have had a rather expensive learning lesson and some gas mileage expenses. Yet, as I continuously finesse the system of what did I need to do to help them fill that audience, that's where it became even better for me. Though, Michael, let's jump over to you to our next bullet point. If you have any specific questions on fundraising, put them in the chat room and we'll open up for a Q&A towards the end of this. Though, Michael, you've been specifically working a market of organizations that I'd love to hear more about. Let's jump over to you. Sure. Well, it kind of piggybacks on what you were talking about doing fundraising for school organizations. You know, and as I said, there are 70 fundraisers that go on every high school campus in any given school year in any market. So it's not specific just to Arizona or my territory, it's everybody's market, that's the average. Now, so those groups are DECA, FBLA, FCCLA, HOSA, FCA, Fellowship of Christian National Athletes. You've got student council, as you mentioned, Jason, or student government, STUGO or STUCO. You've got the different classes, freshman, sophomore, junior, and senior class. All those different groups are raising money on a high school campus. Well, consequently, all those groups too, are raising money to use for their programs. And a lot of those uses are to go to their conventions or their conferences that they have on a regional and a state level. For example, let's just say FBLA, Future Business Leaders of America. They have their local high school group. They raise money in that high school chapter to go to a regional or a statewide conference. Those statewide conferences happen twice a year. They have a spring and a fall conference. At those conferences, they have a wide variety of programs, competitions, and things going on, and they also have entertainment. So that's where I come in. For the entertainment, I've also been able to upsell doing motivational presentations on stage on hypnosis itself, not stage hypnosis, but hypnosis, using the power of your mind to improve yourself, as we all do as hypnotists. So now I want you to think about the dynamics of this. If I do a fundraiser, for the FBLA chapter at, say, Santa Rita High School in Tucson. Well, I know they're raising money so that all the kids in that chapter can go to the state conference. Well, when they go to the state conference, I'm gonna be there also doing my hypnosis show there, just as I did the hypnosis show for their fundraiser. 
Now, I'm not going to be working necessarily with all the high schools that will be at that conference. There may be 30, 40, or 50 high schools represented at that conference. So what am I using that conference for? In addition to getting paid for doing the show and some breakouts, I'm also advertising to all the other high schools there that I'm not working with currently. So I'm think about the dynamics again. I'm getting paid to do a show to market to do more shows. And it's, it's a wonderful thing because just as most stage hypnotists at the end of the show will do a lobby sales pitch or back of the room sales pitch, I'll do a, hey, you can bring this show to your campus as a fundraiser to help you pay the cost to come to this conference next year. And I will get 10 or so schools, their advisors will come up to me immediately after the show, we'll exchange contact information, I follow up with them and end up booking their shows, their fundraising shows. So all these things, you know, really piggyback on each other. And that's just FBLA. Then you've got DECA, you've got HOSA, which is Health Occupation Student Association. I work at both of their conferences a year in Arizona and have for the past, oh, dozen years, I would say. And as Jason said, too, at the end of the show, any show, if it is a viable show to have repeat business, not just a one-off show that they're doing it for a 40th birthday party, these shows, these conferences are going to happen year after year. At the end of the show, I simply go to the, to the conference organizer and say, so should we save the same day for you next year? And it's automatically booked on my calendar right then and there. Now, they may not have the specific date, but I will tell you more often than not that people don't like change. And these conferences are held at the same venue year after year after year. And the venues are smart about it. They tell the conference attendees, if you book now for next year, I'll be able to book you in at the lower rate. So they know where they're going to be next year. They even know the dates for next year. So I simply ask them what those dates are and give them the option to rebook me for next year. They always do one group, actually two groups this last year, booked me for the next six years. I don't, I'm not a big fan of hunting and gathering. I'd rather just be able to eat. So <laughs> um, honestly, I mean, if you've seen me, you know what I'm talking about. Oh. So <laughs> I, I would just, I would just prefer to eat and not have to hunter and gather for every meal. So when I can say now I'm booked for these groups for the next six years, I know already at least I have one gig on the calendar for 2021 for this group and, and many others. Many others are trying to do that too. So all those groups, they're out there. And don't discount any group based upon size. Here's another option for you. I've worked small conferences and large conferences. My biggest one to date in Arizona has been 2,600 students in attendance. That's one heck of a show. Let me tell you, it's, it's rock star, it's rock star quality show because they bring in staging and lighting. Then I work some of the smaller conferences. You know what though? They still need money. They still have money. They will still hire entertainment. Whether it's 100 students or 2,600 students, it doesn't matter. Now, the next level up from there is once you work a state conference in one state, now you have an in. They're in addition, in addition to paying you, you can get a good letter of reference from them, a recommendation from them to meet with the other state coordinators from your neighboring states. And then you can work those states too. So just in one group, you can add 
$10,000 to your income, your annual income by doing, you know, three or four or five shows, not to mention the residual and repeat business after that. Does that make sense to everybody? That's fantastic. And it kind of goes into the networking mindset that so often people would often fall prey to the idea that maybe they've gone to a networking event, like a chamber of commerce for something, if they're trying to get clients and they would leave and go, nobody booked me though. The magic of what Michael was just talking about comes down to the question that only works. If you ask it, who do you know? So it's to ask that group. I mean, this is how similar that you've done DECA. There's a, there's a theater group conference that I've worked for various states. There are similar organizations and it's the way that again, leveraging one opportunity to another. So here was a talk I did for a rotary group, which then resulted in a bunch of clients that, which then resulted with a fundraiser program for the rotary interact group, which is the high school level level of rotary, which then led to all the other interact groups in the local area as well. So it's, as they're raving, you know, in the fundraising world, the, the phrase is don't applaud, just throw money. Or for the moment of the testimonial, don't tell me, tell everybody else you know. So it's as you're working with a group, what events are you attending? What organizations do you know would also benefit from this? Uh, what's the big event for you all this year? Just by asking these questions, you suddenly uncover markets that Yes, they might not have been looking for a performer to appear at, but maybe they haven't considered and realized, oh, that would be a great option for there too. Which again, you're now being paid to promote to that audience of people who are also the go-getters, that are also the ones that are really creating these events at schools and college levels and just across, across the entire market as well. You mentioned something, Jason, and I want to piggyback on this too, is who do you know? At each one of these state conferences, I started off with one. I started off with one single group and it was service learning. That was the conference in Arizona. At the service learning conference, I asked the state coordinator, who else do you know? Because I know there's other organizations like this in the State Department of Education. Who else do you know that you could connect me to? I liked working with you and I want to find like-minded individuals. I only want to work with fun people like you. <laughs> who do you know? And that's how I ended up booking FBLA and DECA and HOSA and FFA and, oh gosh, Future Educators of Arizona. All these different programs. Now I work all of them now every single year. But if you don't ask, you won't get that. And, and then again, who do you know in the state? But then also, you know, if you're the FBLA state coordinator, who, what other FBLA state coordinators do you know in the neighboring states? You know, a third party reference is so critical because when you call that FBLA state director in another state, they don't know who you are. They don't know you. They don't like you. They don't trust you. <laughs> but when you say, hey, Jason over in Arizona told me to give you a call because he said that you could benefit from this program. You automatically now have a captive audience. They're going to listen because they don't want it going back to Jason in Arizona that you were rude and didn't listen. Once you get them to listen, hopefully you're a good enough salesperson that you can convince them that this is an opportunity for them. And quite honestly, as Tommy said, the hypnosis shows are unique. This is not selling cookie dough or magazines. Anybody and everybody does that. 
This is something entirely different, unique. And there's only a few of us doing this. So you need to get out there and do this too. Fantastic. And Tommy, let's bounce over to you. Any thoughts on that, uh, on that market? Uh, a lot of thoughts. We love repeat business. Yes. Once you get in with somebody, as both of you said, you do a good job, you build rapport, you show up on time, you call the week before, you do everything right, you're in. It could last for years. In fact, repeat business, sometimes I will email the client, hey, this last year at this time is when we booked the show. Do you want to rebook it for this year? And they'll just send me the date. They'll say, through email, send the contract. It's beautiful. No conversation. So a lot of repeat business. And, and Michael, in some of those groups that we do, the deckers and so on, once you get in, then you're right. You can, you can go to these other ones. And then you have different levels, too. So I used to do the, a lot of individual deckers at high schools. And then I went into the regional groups. And then there's the Northeast Conference and the Southeast. So there's, there's unlimited potential there. So those are my comments. We love repeat business. Do a good job. Ask for the ask for if you can come back again. And most likely you'll get booked again. They don't want to look around. So we love repeat business. The beautiful phrase of making it easy on them. Oh, make it easy. Keep it simple. But we're always looking for new business too, because sometimes you'll lose something. But repeat repeat business is a big portion of my business. And then I'm always looking for new prospects too. Speaking of which, Tommy, you want to launch us into our uh, third category of markets here? I, I do. This is very unique. I, I think it's it's untapped. It's a perfect market. Are you ready for this? Wedding receptions. You might be saying, what? Are you going to do a hypnosis show at a re wedding reception? Yes. Listen to me for a minute. I love it. I've done them. It's a perfect time for a hypnosis show. After dinner, people are tired. They're, uh, they're stuffed. And you do a shorter show, not an hour and a half, but maybe 45 minutes to an hour. Right after dinner, get everybody up, get everybody excited, and then turn the focus back to the bride and the groom. It works very well. You can contact announcements or in the newspapers or online about people getting engaged. Contact wedding planners. There are a lot of wedding planners like meeting planners. And contact them, say, I I'd like to offer something different. Because they're the ones that book the cake and the limo and the in the band and so on, in the reception hall, and I've been booked by wedding promoters. It's a beautiful venue, and further down the road in that same area are bachelorette parties, the part, the, uh, the get-togethers for the females. Now, stag parties, or the ones that are for the men, I don't do those, because they just want a party, and a hypnosis show is not good at those parties, in my opinion. The girls are different. There's another venue right there, bachelorette parties. So you do a shorter show, and uh, the wedding plan, as I mentioned, wedding shows. There, there are trade shows for weddings that thousands of brides and grooms go to. And they might come across your booth and say, you want to do a hypnosis show? Explain it to them. It's a clean show, tons of laughs. Your guests will be talking about it for a while. It's, it doesn't take the focus off you guys at all, but it gets everybody on their feet and fills them full of energy. It's an untapped market, and I think there's a lot of business out there. There's a beautiful thing to, to mention on that, and I may have a little bit of an in on this as my parents are wedding photographers, and oh. growing up, it was being 12 years old and being put in a tuxedo to hand out flyers at the bridal shows with them, and every one of the family friends are all people in the wedding industry. 
And I love everything you've said. And it's actually one of the places I first saw a program as well of that nature, which the benefit becomes there's two different ways to spend this beyond even what Tommy mentioned there, which is that, yes, it's the time after the dinner and things are kind of on that swoop and let's get them animated again. And now let's launch into the big dance party of the reception. Another way to possibly spin it, though, and I did this back in the days when I was a close-up magician offering services for cocktail parties, which would be that your side of the family doesn't know his side of the family. His side of the family doesn't know your side of the family. And because there's people like my parents who are going to keep you two back at the church doing all the photos after the reception, here's this hour-long chunk of time where people are just kind of standing around with a plate of cheese and a drink in their hand. Let's do something during that time, which is interactive, that serves as that icebreaker and then really gets the momentum going of that experience. So to really give them the benefit of one, keeping the guest entertained while the couple is still doing all the photos, but then also to serve as that icebreaker to bring everybody together and become that conversational ammunition for the rest of the evening as well. I want to mention one more important thing. When you're doing these DECA groups, these weddings, the Lions Clubs, the Rotary Clubs, you need to mention during your show that you are available to do other types of shows. Because think about these association shows. There's all sorts of people in there that belong to other associations and work for companies. They might not even think about your show at their venue. So you have to put the seed in their mind. They might think, oh, he just does high schools. Folks, by the way, I'm available for associations, fundraisers. Oh, wow, that's a good idea. Mention during your show that you're available to the audience so that they can mention it to their people. It's important. You'll get shows from doing shows. Absolutely. And I see a bunch of good questions coming in. I'm just kind of compiling them as they as they roll in. Michael, any thoughts on this market? You know, it's, it is an untapped market. I have not done many of those shows. I've done a few. And again, I started doing them many years ago when I was doing, you know, strolling magic and and comedy magic shows. And I still do those. So for me, it's an opportunity to either cross sell, you know, from one program to the other. If they don't want a hypnotist, I can sell them on a magician. But if they don't want a magician, I can certainly sell them on a hypnotist. And hypnosis is so much more unique than magic, I believe. And I say that as a hardcore magician, it's different. It's more mysterious. It's it's more exciting than mentalism. No disrespect to our mentalism friends out there. I do some mentalists too, but you know, after watching seven mentalism routines in a row, it's kind of like watching grass grow or paint dry. So it can be, but hypnosis is engaging. It engages the whole audience. It engages the volunteers. It, as Tommy says, causes that relationship to be built between the friends of the bride and the friends of the groom that don't normally know each other. So it engages the whole room, not just a small pocket. And as Tommy said, too, and I definitely want to piggyback on that, you have to in your shows as part of your back of the room pitch or your lobby sales pitch or any pitch that you do mention that you are available for other shows. Honestly, we are in a wonderful profession. We get paid to market our future events. That's so cool. I've been in other industries where you have to pay to market your your product. Here we get paid while we're marketing our product. That's beautiful. Is that legal? I, you know what? It probably shouldn't be, but I'm not going to tell anybody. 
a hypnosis show is very unique. Magicians are great, comedians are great, singers are great, but when the audience is part of the show, it's an audience participation type show, it's hard to beat, in my mind. It's very unique and uh, keep on selling out there. One of the biggest hooks that I typically found was effective was that we can we can say it's great and compared to this category compared to that category but it's the one style of presentation that the program is not just what's happening during the show the program is all the anticipation leading up to the event what's going to happen who's going to be up there what's going to be going on then leading into the actual presentation itself but then after that as they're interacting with the people that were on stage, as they're interacting with people who were involved out in the audience. And especially then as it begins to create this cyclical nature, which hopefully for the wedding industry, it's more of a one-off for the benefit of the bride and groom. Though Chuck King just commenting in the group, I performed my hypnosis show at 50 or 60 weddings in the past and was often the best part of the reception. Don't tell the bride and groom that. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, but again, the, the mindset here is that there's so many opportunities out there to be had for both the new hypnotist, for the stage hypnotist, for the experienced as well. I had a question here that I wanted to open up, which was, I think it was Bob who asked the question about what if it's my first show? His hard, Yeah, uh, I think the hardest part is doing your first show. That's what's holding Bob back. W what advice would you give to someone like Bob who hasn't yet taken that leap and officially jumped in? Okay, so you got everybody's got to do their first show. And, you know, sometimes, in, you know, Tommy, Jerry, and I, we, we tell our students, sometimes that first show is a free show. Sometimes you can still get paid, though, too. So always shoot for the paid show. I would personally go to the local high school. I would find the video arts department and ask them if they can use a few hundred extra dollars to buy SD cards for their cameras, batteries, equipment or whatever that they need, you know, money for. And they all do. Schools all need money. So I would talk to that video arts department teacher and say, hey, I know you can use your school auditorium for free. Let's do a fundraising show. You can sell tickets, you know, for whatever you want to sell them for. We're going to do a 50-50 split. And I also want you to know, in addition to making some money, I want to provide you an opportunity for your, for your video students to shoot some video of my show, which you can turn into a class project for them on how to do a promo reel or a teaser reel or a sizzle reel, whatever you want to call it. I then offer my services to go back to their class after the show, show them what a good teaser reel would look like, help them with their editing, at least sit at the computers while they edit. They turn it into a classroom contest to see who produces the best teaser reel. I get copies of all of them for free. They make money. Everybody wins. Now, while I'm there, I know the photography teacher is in the classroom right next door. So I'm going to suggest that we involve him and his students there, too. They can sell tickets, maybe the two school colors, black and red or whatever the school colors are. That way they know who sold what tickets. Now you're doubling your income by doubling the sales. These two groups are making money. And to them, nobody ever approaches them for a fundraiser. So they have to they have to scrounge for their money. A couple extra hundred dollars for them 
is like a gift from the heavens. And so it is, it is really, really true. And so then they make some money. You may not make a lot of money, but you get the experience. You get a teaser reel, you get some still photos for free. Now you've got promotional materials to start promoting your next show. That's how I got started. And uh, I'm still working with that group to this day, 16 years later. I briefly share the anecdote that the very first program I ever did went a lot better than, of course, than I expected it to go, though the real feedback was from my then girlfriend, now wife, who shared the comment, that was really good, but you should work on one thing. You need to work on that expression on your face that translates to holy fill in the blank. It's actually working. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Although I'd share a lot of it comes down to the confidence in terms of having the nuances to really jump in and hearing the experience. I mean, together on this presentation, we've got dozens and dozens of years of training and experience coming into this presentation, which is in many ways why I'm really excited for us to also be here today talking about this event coming up in March, the Ultimate Stage Hypnosis Conference that's going to be happening March, Friday, March 10th till Sunday, March 12th next year out in Las Vegas at the Orleans Casino. Would you share some thoughts, some details of this upcoming event? Sure. I'll I'll speak first and I'll let Tommy do it because we're both really, really excited about this. It's a two and a half day event. It's structured to where we have eight different presenters. We have brought eight of the best hypnotists, presenters, marketers, people that write their own material in the industry. And I'll let Tommy tell you who those are in just a moment. I want to keep you hanging for just a minute here. We're going to do it in the same room. So the speakers are going to rotate. Every speaker is going to have an opportunity to present their topic of interest. And again, it's everything from marketing to writing original material to taking your show to the next level to being able to find more business to work more. The conference starts Friday afternoon with a panel discussion. All the presenters will be there. We're going to survey the registrants prior to the conference and find out what the three most topical questions are of the time that they want these uh, these panelists to answer. Then Saturday and Sunday will be dedicated to individual presentations. We're even throwing in the meals on this, or at least the lunch meals. We're going to have Friday evening when we finish up the panel discussion. We're going to have a fabulous light buffet to get you started on your evening out on the town in Vegas on Friday night. We're going to provide full buffet lunches on Saturday and Sunday. This is going to be a conference that you don't want to miss. This maiden voyage event will definitely be happening year after year after year. Come to it. Tommy, I'm going to turn it over to you because I know you you, you got so many great things to share about this. Well, there are a lot of great things. I'm so excited about this, and there's a lot of activity. People are dying to register already. The price for this event is we wanted to keep very attractive. Let me repeat that, $597 for Friday afternoon, all day Sunday, Saturday, all day Sunday, and the meals that Michael mentioned and any materials that are given out. So, you know, plus your hotel and other meals and travel and so on, you could probably get in there for around a grand or so. And this is a, a big deal. Let me tell you some of the people that are coming here. Not all of them, but some of them. We have Jason Lynette, who uh, is our host today, who is a amazing marketer. He's out there all the time. He just knows his stuff. He's in all these people, by the way, 
came because, are coming because they want to share. We want people who want to share, not the other way around. These people are very willing to share, and they're up there. So you want to learn from these people. Jason Lynette, we have Rich Guzzi. If you don't know Rich Guzzi, look him up. He is full-time in the comedy club market. He does comedy clubs all the time throughout the United States. And he's into the cruise ship market, too. We have, ready for this, Terry Stokes. Terry Stokes is a fascinating hypnotist. I always called him the smoothest hypnotist that I've ever met. He had performed in Vegas for many, many years, and now he's in Branson, Missouri, where he has his show. We have Dan Candell, another amazing, amazing marketer and stage hypnotist and clinical hypnotist. Dan is right up there. He's doing uh, corporate speaking. He's coming out to share. We have Sean Michael Andrews, known as the world's fastest hypnotist, and he's coming out to share what works for him, too, and, and street hypnosis So, also. We have William Mitchell, who's a fabulous guy. He runs a Mid-America Conference. That's the name of it, right, Mike? Mid-America? No, it's actually uh, the Heartland Hypnosis Conference. Heartland, I'm sorry, Mid-America. Yeah, Heartland Hypnosis Conference. And he's a great guy. He does a lot of uh, high school and college shows, and he books other stage hypnotists, too. And we have Marshall Silva. If you don't know who Marshall is, look him up. He's been in the business a long time. He's been performing in Vegas. He's a motivational speaker and has a big, big following. All of these people, plus Michael and myself and Jerry Valley will be there, too, to share a little bit, too. We're all there to help each other. That's what we want to do. We want you to be better. So we're excited about the people that are coming. And just here's a couple topics that we're going to be talking about that you'll learn about. How I became a successful comedy club hypnotist without any agents, managers, or TV or movie credits. How to write original routines. Street and rapid hypnosis. Inside secrets to marketing your shows. Using your shows to promote live seminars. And a whole bunch of other things. It's going to be great. And you know, for $5.97, it's, it's a steal. It really and, is. And you know, Tommy, I know, I know, Tommy, we are actually going to be offering a... Uh, a discounted sale to register too. We're going to tell you more about that at the end of this call. So stay on the line. You don't want to miss this. It's going to be worth your time to hear this. And Tommy mentioned all of the presenters that are going to be there with one exception. And we just signed this gentleman on about a week ago and we are going to release his information this coming Friday on the website. You don't want to miss it. You definitely, I can tell you just as all the presenters, if just one of them showed up, it would be worth the money to be there. What you would learn from Jason, what you would learn from Rich, what you would learn from William, what you would learn from Terry, Sean, Dan, or Marshall would be worth the price of admission, but we're bringing eight presenters to you. You can't beat the value. And stay tuned because we're gonna be offering a special. Thanks for listening to the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast at WorkSmartHypnosis.com. Jason Lennett here once again. And as always, thank you so much for interacting with this program, for sharing it online, for leaving your review over at WorkSmartHypnosis.com forward slash 
iTunes. Thank you so much for participating. And once again, I'd send you over to stageconference.com. That's where you can interact with the video version of this audio replay. Plus, that's where you're going to see the details for this upcoming Ultimate Stage Hypnosis Conference, March 2017, out in Las Vegas at the Orleans Hotel and Casino. Check that out, www.stageconference.com. See you soon.